Disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed by the participants in this show are not the views of AnimeNewsNetwork.com. Enjoy the show. Cast him, Zach Birchie. Uh, we are back for another game show. So, you know, just video games this week. Come back in two weeks if you want to hear us talk about anime. Uh, but joining me uh, once again, and uh, well, I guess we'll, we might have another guest. We'll find out. But uh, joining me once again, uh, it's uh, author of the X Button, games writer for us. It's Todd Ciola. Hey, Todd. Hey. Thanks for coming back. Oh, no problem. And our one of our other games writers, and you can find him on the uh, Fast Karate for the Gentleman podcast. Dave Riley's back. Hey, Dave. Hey, guys. Always happy to be here. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's that time of year. All the video games came out, and uh, a- as we speak, countless nerds are lined up <laughs> outside of GameStops, waiting for the Smash Brothers midnight release. I'm sure. Uh, so, you know, I guess that won't be a huge part, that game won't be a huge part oh. of this conversation because it's not out, but mm. I, I actually have no idea. Ah. Are either of you guys like into that? I'm, I'm not, I didn't know if, I mean, I have no idea. I'm so out of touch. I didn't know it was coming out yesterday <laughs> or tomorrow. <laughs> so when you were talking about the Amiibos before we started recording, I was like, Oh, I guess Amiibos are coming out and I didn't connect it to Smash Brothers at all. Yeah, Zach, yeah. you said they were already out. You saw the Amiibos in the store already? Well, I saw the display for them. So they had, like, oh, the, okay. the TV with the promotional video and the little display case with them in it, and the pegs were there. So obviously, you know, they, they were preparing the display for tomorrow. But, oh, uh, right, right. Yeah, they're not out They're not out quite yet. Yeah, um, I mean, I follow Smash Brothers in terms of the characters they put in. I like to, you know, at least stay up on that, see how far afield they'll go. I mean, they have a last story trophy right now, so <laughs> that kind of surprised me. And... I might buy an amiibo if they go and make, um, was it Zale or Callista, little am- amiibo figures of that. Who, who knows? After I get a Wii U and or in, far in the future. <laughs> so uh, I keep trying. I watch it, you know. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'll think about, I'll think about picking up Smash Brothers. It kind of depends on how many people are playing and if there's an online. Enough of my friends are playing online to make it worth it. Then I'll, then I'll get it. Right. But without that being there because what i mean i i treat smash brothers and i've always treated it as a party game it is something you throw in when you have friends over you have some pizza you have some beers you play some smash brothers everyone plays every character or whatever and then you get bored of it and it goes away until the next time you feel like busting it out at a party mm-hmm. but yeah if it had it come s- out like a month ago i would have played it during extra life but like i don't have like four or six people over that often. Yeah, right, exactly. And, you know, and then the community got all serious a couple of years ago. So, I don't know. Yeah, Smash Brothers got too real. <laughs> yeah, it's not the same anymore, man. The fun's gone. Just quit nerfing Kirby. <laughs> used to be about the music, you know. <laughs> <laughs> now, Zach, if you got a Smash Brothers, would you get uh, any Amiibo? Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, I might get one anyway, just because they're cute little figures and they're you know the paint options on them are nice like normally when you get little pvcs like that uh you know speaking from a person who puts nerd toys on his desk uh the paint options kind of suck um but since the manufacturing cost on these is higher 
the figures actually look much better. Like a lot of people collect like the Disney Infinity toys, just the toys, because mm-hmm. they tend to be higher quality on the paint than you know your average six or seven dollar little plastic figure for your desk. Um, so yeah, I, m- I might I might snag one also just to see what it does because I have a lot of the games that those work with. So who knows? Which one would you get if you any character in Nintendo? I think Dave said he you like Kirby. Is that it? Yeah, I mean Kirby is sort of my. Like spiritual being made manifest, <laughs> so I, I was trying rap for him, and I've got like my own little cache of pink colored anime figurines. Sort of like pole with Kirby squashed on the bottom or something. Yeah, I, and I I always Kirby hit a peak for me when Brawl was the most recent one where they put in the robot, and the robot if Kirby ate the robot, he could shoot a laser, and he would go B. And then whenever he did that, I would go B, and then I would just run house on everybody I lived with, and B make really annoying sounds the whole time. And then uh, our roommate Evan wasn't allowed to pick Rob the robot anymore because I was too annoying. And that's when I knew I truly won Smash Brothers and retired. Well, they—I mean—they didn't make a Wario, so <laughs> at least not yet. I'm sure they will. Um, yeah, Wave Two. Yeah, that'll be wave two. Maybe he'll be like a Chase variant. Or worse, like a San Diego Comic-Con exclusive. <laughs> Fuck that shit. Yeah, they're saving Waluigi. Yeah, yeah, right. Waluigi in like some sort of like like some alternate color scheme from like a Mario soccer game for like the GameCube or something like that. <laughs> like Virtual Boy Wario, he's black and red or something. Oh, know. God. Man, it's endless what they could... Like the paint, like the repaints, like bullshit convention mm-hmm. exclusive repaints endless on those things um but no i mean i don't know i'd probably get the maybe the zelda or not the stuff his name isn't zelda uh <laughs> it's link grandma link. come on yeah i'd probably maybe get the link or, or potentially the pikachu but uh we'll see i don't know um people are really into smash brothers we actually got a lot of questions about it but uh so um it's that time of year the games are out uh at least most of the major releases that weren't pushed until spring um, I've been playing a lot of them, so let's let's just dig in here. Um, but uh, but maybe before we get to the brand new stuff, uh, it's been about six months since we did one of these. So uh, you know, d- notable stuff you've you've played over the last six months uh, that you know not necessarily brand new releases. Uh, and I guess let's uh, start with Todd. Oh, okay. Well, it came out just last month. I've been playing uh, Sh- Shantae and the Pirate's Curse. It's the new way forward game starring the little genie girl going around and hitting things with her hair. And it's really cute. They set up this really charming graphic style and it surprisingly does a lot with the 3D factor. I mean, it's a 2D game. It's one of the few games I can, 3DS games that I don't immediately sw- switch off the slider when I'm playing. Hmm. And it's a lot like the Monster World games, uh, the right. old Westone names, which I really, really liked. So it's got a certain charm to it. Kind of weird though, because um, strange to say, but they're making it almost too sexy. I guess it's kind of weird. Like it's I was about, about to say, they do a lot with the three D slider. Yeah, they're going to be center on Kagura, mostly focused around the chest region. <laughs> yeah, and, and then the, the game was always kind of like that. You're basically, I mean, uh, she's a her uh, magical half genie in harem pants and stuff like that. But the art in the game, it's almost like you're looking at the sexy deviant art versions of the characters now. Oh, really? So it kind of takes away from the charm a bit. It's like, you know, the Monster World games, which I always compare these to, weren't really all that risque, I guess. 
And there's even some moments where I was wondering the humor seemed kind of out of place. Like in early on in the game, you come across this guy who's trying to bring his wife back from being turned to stone. So you have to find a petrification spell and you give it to him and it turns him into stone by accident. And both he and his stone wife fall through the floor and that opens up a new area. So you jump down after them. And, you know, there's just rubble everywhere, everywhere. And you're like, uh, this cute little game just killed two perfectly innocent people for a joke. So I don't know. it's a good game, though. It's really nicely made, especially if you like 2D art and, and sprite work and stuff like that. So recommended. Cool. Yeah, that's uh, that came out on PC, right? Uh, the I think maybe not yet. The previous one all- did. And they're making a Kickstarter one. OK, yeah, it must be. There, there's a few of those floating around out there. Right. So and I finally got around to, to starting up uh, Professor Layton uh, versus Ace Attorney versus or, or Phoenix Wright, I guess, as we all call him. I'm not too far into it yet, but it's I like it. It's um, basically it's by Shutakumi, who was the creator of the Phoenix Wright games, and he's kind of distanced himself from the series a while because you get the impression that he's t- a little tired of it. He originally didn't want to make a another Phoenix Wright game when he made up the Apollo Justice game, which was you know. The new Phoenix, right? So this is kind of him just going off in a little crossover that doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. So he can play with all this medieval witch trial stuff. And so far, I'm pretty much enjoying it. It's I don't really like uh, Professor Layton as much as I do the uh, Phoenix Wright games, mm-hmm. just because Layton's kind of. Uh oh, what was that? <laughs> uh, no, I'm agreeing. That's about the same. Because Layton's kind of smug, and he's 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 basically. I mean, we all know he's going to kind of come out ahead in this because he's this brilliant genius gentleman mystery solver who's always four steps ahead of the bad guys and phoenix wright is this bumbling attorney who would probably be disbarred if everyone else in the court wasn't any either and just stupider than he is or plain evil so and that's the charm of it so i'm enjoying the phoenix wright parts a lot more yeah i was i was gonna say that is when are they gonna get to the fireworks factory the game (laughs) because every time you're back in that latent crap Mm-hmm. And you're like mm-hmm. I. I mean, I liked like the first couple of those Layton games, yeah, the and then I just could not play another one. Like after the second one, and then my my wife, who plays all these games too, petered out by like the fourth, and we were just done. Mm-hmm. So we've been trying to play that one together, but we just fell off it. Um, <laughs> and the Phoenix Wright stuff is really good. Like the animation is some mm-hmm. of the best, like for the series, even including the the new one. Yeah, it looks a little different, though. It takes a little getting used to if you're used to seeing it there. Yeah, it is a little off. So there's a, and there's a lot of Phoenix Wright out there. I mean, there's this game and there's um, the fan-translated uh, Ace Attorney Investigations, too, which I haven't uh, actually yes, which yet. everybody should play. Oh, yeah, you, it's you like played it. one of my favorite ones. Well, so I love that first one. And then I've just lamented for years that they were never going to translate uh, Miles Edgeworth 2. And then somebody did a fan translation, and it's so good. Like, I don't know. They they just have such a way of, like, sort of metering out the intensity in this perfect moment. And, like, there's just such a, such a cyclical way they have it. You're on top, and then you're, you're the underdog again, and then you're back to being on top because you figured something out. And, like, the I've always just thought the Miles Edgeworth games have much better pacing. Where I like the way you got to basically investigate like a yeah. defense game instead of just yeah. being in the courtroom and because that like the hidden object stuff for Phoenix Wright never really worked for me and I always felt like I was just sort of waiting that stuff out to get to the trial. 
so the way they have you like actually walk around the world and you have these little mini interrogations while you're doing the investigation just keeps things flowing much better. And also like uh, K is like my favorite character <laughs> in video games. Oh, okay. So you put K above Maya and uh, Athena then, right? Athena's pretty awesome. I was there. Maya, I whatever. I missed her. In, um, I miss her so far in the Layton versus Phoenix ride. So. Oh God! And then you have to deal with Luke. Like you know, the worst <laughs> sidekick in all of video games. Oliver, uh, Oliver Twist kid, come on, get out yeah. of here. Hang on. Okay, so I said we might have three guests, and a little late, but she, she finally made it. Uh, thanks, for, <sighs> thanks for showing up. Uh, freelancer, uh, founder, and uh, head writer at uh, gaming.moe, and uh, she does game reviews for us as well. It's uh, Heidi Kemp. Heidi, thanks for coming on the show. Ah, thank you, Zach. Thanks for uh, putting up with my lateness and my computer issues. It's no problem. But we were right in the middle of a scintillating conversation <laughs> about uh, Phoenix Ace Attorney, Wright. about Ace Attorney, oh, yeah. and yeah, oh, I'm, hi. so I'm liking a, a Layton and Phoenix Wright so far. I'm not that far into it though, and there is a lot of Phoenix Wright out there. You, if you are interested in the new things, because we have the Layton game, you have the Miles Je- Miles Edgeworth two fan translation, and you have uh, next month. They're releasing the first three games on uh, the Nintendo eShop as part of the Ace Attorney trilogy. I honestly and- found uh, Layton versus Ace Attorney to be really. Eh, I didn't care for it that much. Yeah, I mean, I, I had a good. Good. I had a good time with it, but it's it's just it it feels like. Mm, like there's a lot more potential there for something interesting than is capitalized upon, which I feel is kind of a trend in level five stuff. They tend to play it very right. safe. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of too many level five things that have really blown me away. I didn't no. uh, like Rogue Galaxy and other stuff that nobody remembers, except for the <laughs> things they did with uh, the guild thing stuff. Those had some good games in there. With uh, right. Crimson Shroud, truly them. Like- <laughs> Well, yeah, they, they just sponsored yeah. that. They, everyone else developed them. <laughs> Fun fact, Yasumi Matsuno officially joined Level 5, made that game, and then <laughs> left for undisclosed reasons. Yes. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I can just see him going into the, um, who, um, what's his name, the president of Level 5's office and dropping his gigantic ogre battle novel on the desk and being <laughs> like, uh, I want to make this into, and yeah. <laughs> so, who knows? But it, it's okay so far. Maybe I'll be let down by it. But there's always more Phoenix Wright to play out there. And I, I've come to the conclusion that any Phoenix Wright is okay with me. I'll be an old man sitting on the couch saying I'm watching my stories and it'll be a Phoenix Wright game in front of me. So. You played Ghost Trick, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that was pretty great. I love that one. Oh, yes. Same here. Really wish I'd get a sequel, but I doubt it sold well enough to warrant one. Yeah, I don't know if I'd really want a sequel so much as I just want Takumi to go and do something completely similar to it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like the Double Fine and the um, Click Adventure things. Uh, let's see. Uh, what else was I playing? Um, well, it's not new, but I um, got on my Sega Saturn and played Burning Rangers not too long ago. <laughs> for damn. Those never, for those who never said I had one, Burning Rangers was um, it's a game by Sonic Team. It was made... Um, after Knights, it was probably their last uh, game on the Saturn. It was released late in the cycle. And you play a bunch of futuristic superhero fighter fighters who go around. And they it's a really innovative game. It's got all these ideas. You fight fires by shooting it with little ice bullets. You turn them things into crystals. You grab the crystals and 
they're like Sonic's rings. They protect you. And has all these neat ideas. The levels are kind of randomly generated. There's a voice navigation system that you can use to get around. And the game, though, it's too much for the Saturn to handle, really. It has all this graphic breakup. The polygons don't really, they flicker in and out. And you can just tell by watching it that the Saturn's on the verge of spitting it out and saying, yo, I can't <laughs> deal with this. I can't. So if they held it over for like the Dreamcast, it would have been in a lot, uh, lot smoother, I think, and probably longer. But it's really. Um, it's in probably my favorite Sonic Team game just because of the whole um, – well, the premise behind it's a little more interesting. It kind of plays up, how though, how much Sega was kind of out of touch at, during the Saturn's life because the Burning Rangers, they're these totally cheesy, almost 80s-style heroes, and they're presented without any irony whatsoever. There's this little hip-hop number that even during the shooter stage – where a guy goes on about how the Burning Rangers have nothing to hide, so when they fight, they stand side by side, and, you know, it's like, you know, Fun someone fact, say, yeah. Uh, that's yeah. the same guys who uh, sung all of Knuckles' music for Sonic Adventure. Oh, the one about how Knuckles doesn't chuckle. and Exactly. Oh, my God. I mean, and you can just tell somebody at Sega was convinced the Burning Rangers were going to be as huge as Sonic, and it didn't turn out like that, but... If you have a Saturn, you can always uh, pick it up. The American version is really expensive. Um, the Japanese one is much cheaper. And it's not that hard to play through. And I don't think they're going to ever reissue it like they've done with Knights and uh, Sonic Adventure. So. Which is a shame. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that's about it for me. I Also, I played through – I tried playing um, – for another Sega thing, I tried playing through the Golden Axe uh, Beast Rider game. I am so Oops. sorry. Wow, really? <laughs> And not too much I can say about that. It's a game I feel kind of sorry for because it really was screwed over even at the conceptual level. Because if you remember Golden Axe, and I'm sure a lot of our readers are actually a good deal younger than the original Golden Axe, but that was one of the first arcade games where you got to pick like three characters to go through your brawler and fight all the guys. And you had basically the dwarf, you had the Conan guy, you had Red Sonia. <laughs> Like and, many um, people, I bought that game in a Target clearance bin for $3.48. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And the game, even from the start, it's messed up because you can only play as uh, the Amazon. Uh, right. And so, yeah. But it's $5 used at GameStop if you're really curious about it. So, man. Dave Halverson loved it. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. He even uh, he had interesting things to say about the breast physics of the main character. That's. <laughs> It also made him go on a tirade telling about, you know, (laughs) saying other reviewers weren't doing their job by giving the game bad scores. Yes. And for those of you who've never uh, experienced Dave Halverson, he's – what did he give the Sonic 2006 game? Nine. What what did he give? Nine nine out of ten, yes. (laughs) For people who don't know, this is the man who ran the magazine Play for a very long time. And Game Fan, and <laughs> Gamers Republic, and ostensibly the new Game Fan, which has a splash page saying it's going to launch in October. It's oh, middle of November, and uh, bring it back. I, I think Dave is trying to, you know, get some more money and some more fresh meat writers, but <laughs> probably not think, happening. Who we, I think by this point, a lot of people have heard that. Um, well, did the play writers ever get their paychecks after the magazine closed? And no. No, well, poor old Dave Halverson. But now, now's your chance, Todd. <laughs> yeah, hey. You're going to work <laughs> for the man, game fan. the legend. I can live out my dream when I was like um, 15 years old of being a game fan writer. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Dave, what, what, have you been, uh, what have you been playing mostly in the last, like, you know, six months? Uh, 
I mean, there's been a lot of good stuff. Uh, like I name drop. Uh, Dan, there's been a few Dan Gamrampas this year. Yeah. Uh, Bayonetta 2 was excellent. I uh, just got finished with Persona Q. Mm. Uh, that's the thing that I've been tucking into for about the past month. Same here. Uh, and like, that game's good, but in it's a lot of ways, I just wanted more. Well, yeah, I mean, that's sort of what I came away being like, well, this is like, there just aren't a lot of dungeon crawlers that are like of, I would say, an above average capacity. Like, there are a lot of dungeon crawlers. Uh, they're mostly like bad wizardry clones. Uh, and Ad Train Odyssey has always been sort of like the, the pinnacle of that genre. So I'm psyched, right, to have a new one in any capacity. Uh, but I felt like as someone who's like Persona, especially the recent Personas, and Ad Train Odyssey are like two of my favorite series. Um, what I really like about both those series was not super well represented here. Like, nice. there's not sort of, like, the socialization aspects and the stuff, like, you're not going to hang out with Young Mother, the Persona <laughs> 4 stuff. And on the Etrian Odyssey side, it just felt like it took too long to get to the meat of it. Like, what really struck me is you're, you're on, like, the third labyrinth before there's an enemy that bothers to chase you around the map. Uh, so it just felt like it was really slow in getting its motor running. It's also like really weirdly breakable in these ways that are just borderline absurd. Uh, well, like, I mean, Etrian Odyssey was breakable if you tried. Like Etrian Odyssey three, once you got you know dual jobs, you could do things sure. like put elements on the archer and have archers just wreck shit everywhere. Yeah, my concern here is that you don't have to try. Like, <laughs> there's a way to beat every random battle in this game and it's have Nauto in your party um, and just oh, cast Ma Mahamon or Mahmudon and it will always win the battle see I'm, I'm doing the Persona 3 side of things so I mean I don't so I'm using Koromaru so he also has an instant kill spell because uh, he's the best dog but like best dog. if you yes. have two or three characters with instant kill attacks like you no longer have to think about random battles. Uh, it'll like nine out of 10 times, 99 out of a hundred times. You don't have to do anything, but use your like area effect instant kills. And that will win almost every random battle till the end of the game. Uh, yeah. And, and the, the, my concern being that like, these are things that characters just learn by level up. So there's not really the satisfaction of being like, yeah, I like, constructed this party and I really carefully spent my skill points and I thought a lot about how I was building this thing for most of the game I was like instant kills for the random battles poison the boss and then just sort of wait it out and that even worked on like some of the FOEs who are like the super strong enemies that you're kind of not even supposed to be able to kill when you first get into a dungeon right right now does the story progress differently I assume you picked the Persona 4 side yeah. Whereas I went with three. Is there yeah. a, a big difference in the story progression in that uh, respect? So I only I started the Persona 3 side, and it seemed pretty much the same to me uh, after I beat the game as, as per, the Persona 4 characters. Because they kind of just link up in, um, after the, or in the middle of the first labyrinth. And then I think from that point onward, it's just sort of who has primacy in the cutscenes. Like, who is the subject of the goofy uh, pratfall jokes or whatever? 
Uh, and it is like, it's super cute. It's like a super cute game with these like little super deformed characters and everybody's defining character traits have been amped up to the nth degree. So like Teddy's just doing his Teddy thing, like perving on all the girls. But in a way we were like, yeah, this is kind of annoying, but it's not like the most annoying example of this, like that guy in Danganronpa 2. And <laughs> like Chie is talking about meat. And Elizabeth is just being this, like, absurd, capricious weirdo, which is why she's the best Velvet Room attendee. Um, And they sort of slot really well into this, like, Etrian Odyssey mold. Like, Elizabeth is the innkeeper, but here it's at a school festival, so she's the nurse. And it, like, has a lot of fun with this, like, super weird concept of, like, well, instead of this uh, really tranquil, peaceful dungeon exploration that Etrian Odyssey is known for, it's all based off a school festival. So like there's a group dating cafe is one of the things and you have to find your soulmate. Um, and then at the end of the dungeon, like it delivers your soulmate onto you based on these like personality quizzes you've checked off. And one's like a haunted school where you get chased around by like evil dolls and stuff like that. So it's like kind of neat. And I, like I said, like it's good. I just like expect I maybe I expect too much from those series, especially in combination. Now, am I correct that the robot Labrys from uh, Persona Four Arena? She's not in this, is she? No, no she isn't, Doris. which is a shame because yeah. she is adorable. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I, I I'll put it on the um, discount list. All you know. There's also no female <laughs> protagonist from Persona Three Four. Oh, yeah, she's yeah. like she's never shown up in anything again. So I don't know if they just don't care or what. <laughs> They she wanna... shows up in, in merchandise from time to time. I've got, you know, little danglies of the Persona Persona 3 portable female protagonist, but she has like a real name, doesn't she? Uh, I think she's got it's like Minako no. or something. Uh I mean I think it's like sort of half fan made up. Uh, okay. Yeah. But uh I mean, yeah, she just like I, I always liked her, but whatever. Um I mean it's just it's just like sort of fun and lightweight. And if you're willing to appreciate it in that mold, like the coolest thing about the game is that everybody gets their own persona to equip and you can like ex- you can consume these personas also to get skill cards that stick the abilities permanently on a character. And I just use that to go crazy with passive abilities, which are like always my favorite thing in video games. So I had Koromaru the dog, who's like the fastest character in the game. I put all this stuff on him that like makes him stronger when he attacks before the monsters do. When he attacks, everybody who attacks after him gets a attack buff. And like sitting there and like compressing a persona down into a skill card like five times in a row, like it, there's something really satisfying about that. Like very slow but purposeful busy work. So I'm like. I got Melchizedek and I got to crush him into warrior title. So all my guys can have increased crit rate and I summon him again and do it again. So I'm just spending like 80,000 yen at a time, uh, bringing out this persona just to consume his soul to get this like crappy little card. <laughs> and, and that was great. Like I, the way they combine the, it, it's straight up persona fusion, but then the battles are like Etrian Odyssey. So it's just like a perfect, fusion of the two games like there's the characteristics of each game's battle systems 
really better than you could expect. It just never felt like it really challenged me until like the very end of the game. Like I never hit a stumbling block on any of the puzzles until like the last couple hours. So I, I just kind of like the Etrian Odyssey games advance so quickly. Like every time one of those comes out with the exception of Millennium Girl, which was a remake and like had its own stuff. Like, three comes out and you get a ship. And then, like, four comes out and you've got this airship and you can explore the map. And the map is its own puzzle. And all over the map are these little mini dungeons that are constructed of these, like, sometimes very intricate puzzles where you have to, like, find a way to navigate around this ice field where you're sliding around all over the place. And then when you, once you get to the center, you have to light a brazier and that melts all the ice, which we're keeping these giant bats in. And then you have to find a way to to navigate somewhere else now that the ice is gone while avoiding the bats. And like, so it's just like it keeps you thinking. It's not just like a sort of like, oh, I'm going to map every bit of the labyrinth just by assiduously stepping on every square in my path. Like there's actually ways you're interacting with the environment. And like the moth that like just sit there, but once you get into a battle, they make a beeline for you. So you have to very quickly get out of a battle before this guy joins and kicks your ass. And there's just, like, not that in Persona Q until, I'd say, probably the third Labyrinth out of essentially four. There's, like, a like a surprise. There's another because there's always a fifth one in Etrian Odyssey. I don't feel like that's much of a spoiler. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I really liked it. So I feel kind of guilty complaining about it. But I was just like, do I like this on the level of like Persona 4 and Etrian Odyssey 4, some of my favorite games of all time? And like you sort of have to unpack what bias that brings into the conversation anyway, but yeah, that's sort of how I felt on it. It's super cute. It's like one of the cutest games I've played recently. All right. Uh I mean, I mean, I mean I'm assuming you've been through most of the big games uh that have released yeah. this year. I mean, I tend to play pretty much everything. Uh, I, I was going to leave uh, Dragon Age in your hands, but, like, I guess I played Shadow of Mordor, and I guess I'm, like, more of a Lord of the Rings fan than most. Right. Uh, less than my wife, who, who is, like, probably one of the biggest of all time. And that was just sort of, like, I was just, I felt criminally let down by that game. And it was really? my own fault for buying into the hype. You but, know, like, I'm kind of with you on that. Uh, for the first, like, two hours, I was like, oh, man, this is really fun. Like, I love this weird nemesis system. This seems like a big step forward. I'm having, I'm enjoying this. But then I, I played, I probably put, like, I don't know, nine, ten hours into that. And I was just doing the same shit in the same locations over yeah, and over and over it, and over and over again. And the game never... I mean, I met there's I know there's a second area that I never got to, but I just got bored with it. Like, okay, and then, you know, I'm going to get in a fight with this guy and then this guy's going to show up and say, "I'm going to kill you." And then either he kills me or I kill him. Reset when I die, run back to that location, it all happens over again. It's like, yeah, I don't know, man. I I was I, like production-wise, it was cool, but um I like as a game, it seemed like it had maybe 2 hours of fun in it. Yeah, I mean, I just, I did not get the same, like, personal experience that a lot of people got out of that game. Because I'd hear people talking about, like, oh, at the end of the game, like, your nemesis shows up. And he's, like, the guy you have to fight before you head into the final boss battle. 
And like the dude I fought was just some guy that had killed me like once. And I was like, <laughs> I guess he's my nemesis. Uh, he's the guy that most recently killed me. So sure, if you want to call him that video game. I just, it just suffered from that like open world itis that like I can't get over. Like, it's like, here's all this crap. Want to do it? And I'm just like, no, none of this really <laughs> seems all that fun. And like, they're like, you're going to have to exploit the guy's weaknesses. Like one guy might be weak to stealth. One guy might be weak to bows. And one might be weak to just stabbing him. That's the other weakness. And that's pretty much it. Unless you want to drop a bee, some bees on him. But you don't have to. <laughs> like, I don't know. It just felt like another one of those games where it's like, you can do this stuff, but you don't have to. And then I'm like, well, then why am I going to do it? Like, none of it's that great. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't really feel like going around and collecting all the rune pieces of Cinderin or whatever the hell it is that, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. The other thing is just from like a Lord of the Rings perspective, it's like, I heard a lot of big talk about them being like, you know, we really tried to hew close to the Tolkien lore and the Tolkien spirit. And like the th- thrust of the game is like, Celebrimbor, who's a big old lore figure, being like, we can use the enemy's powers against him. And I was like, that's literally the whole point of Lord of the Rings is you can't. Like, did you, did you, did you even know about Lord of the Rings before you started this? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that's the whole point is like, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Like, so, I mean, I didn't even finish the end of the game. I got to like the last mission. And I was like, no, I'm going to hang up my spurs. So but they're like, we're going to forge some new rings. And I was like, <laughs> So it's, it's kind of like the Lord of the Rings equivalent of that Star Wars book where Chewbacca gets crushed by a moon or something. It's, sure. I mean, that- there's a lot of bad Lord of the Rings stuff out there. Like, right. and, and Hobbit, too, let's not forget. <laughs> so I'm no. not trying to single this thing out. But they were like, we're delving deep into the Silmarillion, man. We're going to give you the closest Tolkien experience we can represent. And I was like, this is just some open world, like grizzled beardy protagonist bullshit with like, a, with some orcs <laughs> and all the orcs are like, core blimey governor. Like, <laughs> yeah. That just, guy kind of old. It was the same experience I had with those Batman games, to be honest. Like everybody came out, came out of those being like, holy shit, this is like the second coming. And I was like, this game is of a playable quality. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm with you on that. Like, I think I played a lot more Shadow of Mortar just because I like Lord of the Rings and I don't give a shit about Batman. So, yeah. like, the Batman games I played, like, an hour and was like, whatever. Uh, but this one I was like, well, Lord of the Rings, of course. You know, I'll I'll play that. Uh, so it got a lot more <laughs> of my time as a result. But, no, you're totally right. And the thing that kind of gets me is that it's they just called it Middle Earth. So I bet you there's probably going to be, like, another couple dozen games yeah. Just called Middle Earth, whatever. And it'll, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you get into that second area and they give you the ability to mind control guys and then pit guys against other guys, and then you can like mind control a war chief's bodyguards, and then the war chief wanders into the area and you just like push a button, and then all four of his bodyguards just like draw down on him, and you don't have to do anything. Like, I, there's some cool experiences in that, but I always came away from it being like, well, I had those cool experiences, and now the game wants me to play for like another 10 hours doing the same thing. Here's what it seemed like to me. A a content week 
and visually uninteresting testing ground for cool mechanics that will eventually be put to better use in a better game. Yeah, yeah. That's how I feel about Shadow of Mortar. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, those are the big tickets. I I wrote reviews about Bayonetta and Evil Within, both of which I liked and really liked and like. Did you play Alien? Yeah, I gave up on it eventually. <laughs> it was just too... It was, like, too capricious with my time. Like, I, re- I liked it a lot, and um, I played a lot of it with my wife with the lights off, and, I, like, that is where we want to be. And But, like, I, th- I made some cast-off tweet where I was like, you can have, like, instant kills, you can have randomness, you can have no checkpoints, but, like, you can't make me play all three like a man has limits. So like <laughs> the first time I was sneaking around for 30 minutes and I found the save point and I was so happy and I clicked the button as fast as I could. And as I was saving the alien spiked me in the chest from behind, I was just like, I don't think I can play this game anymore, especially since I know it's like 20 hours and I'm like eight hours in maybe. <laughs> but well, the whole thing on the, on the, um, in those eight hours, were you still on the station that they put you on? Yeah, or did they actually they, change it up a little bit? They recreate the opening of Alien, which is just like uh. sort of bizarre. Like, you know, like it's just a different crew going to the same place and mm-hmm. doing the exact same thing. It's just really weird because to so, that point, it felt like sort of the most interesting thing about it was it wasn't exactly retreading everything you'd seen in these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like when they hand you the flamethrower and I was like, fucking finally. And then you just juice that thing and the alien like pieces out. But sometimes if it's too close, it sort of hip checks you as you go by. Uh, Yeah, that's just another game where I was like, actually, I like a lot of things about this game. It's really cool. But I don't think there's enough time in the day to play it. Right. Well, it's also really long for a game of that type, right? Yeah, it just doesn't like, I don't know. I'm from the survival horror mode. So like when those games can be two to eight hours, like that sort of eight is like the high end. Speaking of which, like if you want something scary and you have a PS4 PT, uh, mm. it's like one of the best games I've played this year. And it essentially was a demo. <laughs> like, but that game was so neat. And that's a game that doesn't respect your time, but it's like an hour and a half long. So like, you don't feel so bad that you're frustrated and have no idea what the game actually wants you to do. Yeah, I mean, the the times I saw were, like, over 15 hours. Yeah, and that's finish. crazy. That's, that's it's just, like, it's sort of, like, it's just depleting. Like, yeah, yeah the, the game seems so, like, somber and weird with 15... What do you do in that amount of time? I mean, do you... Do <laughs> you, you spend a lot of time like, on the diary or something? Or? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. By the end, I just figured out, or by, by the time I gave up, I was like, I'm just going to run everywhere, because it doesn't that's matter. A- how's it work like, the, when they don't give you too many weapons do they is that was that kind of just a lie in the, or do you really have to make every uh, weapon I mean, you have to, eventually you get a flamethrower and that makes the alien go away for like two seconds okay. but otherwise all I had was like a pistol and that wasn't even good at shooting the robots uh, you kind of just had to shoot the robots a couple of times to stun them so you could wail on them with your wrench so like that stuff is true to form and there's a lot of neat stuff like I mean I guess you have like noisemakers and Molotov cocktails but the alien moves like 60 miles an hour. So you're fumbling with your menu and you're already dead. 
it's just like you just die on the on the you the drop of a hat will kill you and the alien literally cheats like it jumps across the map <laughs> it appears at random like there's very little of it is scripted after the first couple hours and you just like don't feel like the game is being fair to you and you're like oh i'm almost at the exit of this area oh wait i was running cuz i thought the alien was behind me but actually, it's in this vent above me, and it just grabbed me from above and instantly killed me, and now I have to start all over again. It's just like, I don't know. A, uh, you know that alien has a lot, has a big job to do. There's only one of it in the game, so it's got to be. I know, that's the point. other thing. It's like, <laughs> I, I mean, I approve of that because I'm, I'm an alien fan through and through. But uh, there's like 500 people at this space station. Somebody didn't get a lucky, lucky shot off. <laughs> I, I just feel like I have. My threshold for that sort of stuff is so much higher than the average person. Like, I will tolerate so much if a game is giving me, like, even an inkling that it's something different from sort of, like, the average focus grouped whatever. Uh, but I just couldn't I couldn't do it with Alien. I mean, I gave it a go. Maybe I'll check it out when it's, it's a Sega game, which means eventually in the next year it'll be $3.50. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have to try it just to see what it does with the alien idea. Maybe it'll maybe it'll have something like the original script for Alien, where they it bites off Ripley's head at the end and starts talking in her voice to the. Yeah, <laughs> maybe not though. <laughs> I, I'm a sucker. I, but if I go to a comic book store and I dig through the comic bins, I buy every Alien or, or Predator thing in there. So <laughs> eventually, I will try uh, Alien <laughs> Isolation. <laughs> Do you have like a vault of Alien and Predator comics? There's a ton of those. <laughs> Oh, I have a pre- what, the Predator versus the the Soviet Union, Predator versus Batman, yeah, that, that sort of thing. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> um, okay, uh, so that that is that sort of a rundown on like the notable stuff. Yeah, I think that's what's worth talking about. I mean, everybody should play Bayonetta. Go buy Wii U, and then when you get the Wii U, you can play Wonderful One Hundred One, and you'll have a great Christmas. Which I think is like seventeen bucks on Amazon right now. It's, I mean, it's worth it. Uh, that's like. That, I, that guy just doesn't make bad games, as far as I'm concerned. I wish he made games that I enjoy playing. I like yeah, watching sure. his games, but I'm so bad at Bayonetta. Like, I played the demo, <sighs> I was terrible at it. And I'm like, you know what, I will watch someone else play this. And, well, I, and, his, yeah, and I will enjoy that when that eventually happens. But I just, I'm no good at his games. Platinum games are also just terrible at telling you how to play them. Like, that's always been their greatest downfall. It's like... They just never tell you the the crucial technique that actually lets you play the game. Yeah, like Vanquish, I think you could play through that almost the entire game and badly without really mastering the, the slide. Sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's true of all the Metal Gear. Metal Gear Rising was a little more forgiving, but yeah. like it had its own things with the parry stuff. Uh, yeah. Just like the only one that's really accessible is like Mad World, and that's probably their worst one. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it, it's just, to me, you know, I understand that, it, that it's the learning curve and the game wants you to learn how to become good at it and play things over and over and figure out the timing and everything. But I just, frankly, like, your eye sockets are being violently fucked during Bayonetta and I can't, <laughs> I just can't figure it out. Like, I my, but my hands do not find the buttons. I'm too distracted by the explosion of color on the screen. Like, the boss fight with that dragon thing... I had no idea what the hell was going. It's just chaos, <laughs> and I'm like, maybe I'm too old for this. But I really enjoyed the act of watching it. So sure, I mean, that's one of those games where I have to sort of actively remember to blink. Yeah, because um, I'll end up like concentrating so hard, and 
literally like hurt my eye because I wear contacts and my my eyes will dry out and then like I'll be in pain because I've played a video game too hard. I lived life too close to the edge. Yeah, oh. yeah so they should sell like Bausch and Loam with it. You know, instead of Doritos and Dew, you get uh, by band big thing of contact lens cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so Heidi, uh, you are a newcomer yes. to the game show here, but um, we're sort of going down, you know, what what you've been playing over the last uh, six months or so. So, uh, you know, you know, highlights, I guess. Highlights. Uh, first thing that comes to mind, definitely Smash. I'm doing the review for you folks, and. Um, Going through the Wii U version right now, they just released um, the patch that lets you do online play. And given that the 3DS version's online play was kind of iffy, I'm interested in checking this out just to see if, you know, might be any better, which this is Nintendo. So the answer is probably no, but you have to keep your mind open anyhow. But, yeah, it's... It's a lot more Smash. It's the stages and the eight-player Smash are both, you know, really cool, really chaotic, and, um, you know, fun to play for a while. But I think after a while, it just gets a little bit tiring because everything's just kind of shooting all over the place, especially when you've got eight people. Pro tip, if you're playing eight people, for the love of God, do not do time, do stock, because then eventually you get some of the idiots off of the screen and you can (laughs) play a real game. (laughs) (laughs) But they've got a lot of these big stages like uh, Palutena's Temple and the the Great Cave Offensive, and the concepts behind them are pretty cool. They're big enough to support eight people, and they've got a lot of hazards so that you know, even if you can't launch a guy off the screen, you can toss them into a lava pit and watch them bounce around until they eventually spontaneously combust. Fun stuff like that. And I still haven't gotten around to unlocking all the stages. For some reason, it seems a lot harder than it does in the 3DS version. But there's also considerably more to unlock, including music. They've got a lot more challenges. They've got the whole event mode, which is different depending on whether or not you're doing it with uh, one or two players. All the characters are the same, but um, it it certainly looks a lot better, and you can actually play it on a real controller as opposed to, well, you know, the slide pad on the 3DS gets a lot of flack. I don't think it's terrible, but it is absolutely not good for Smash at all. Now, Zach, I, I know you, you've mentioned in previous game shows that you're not big on the whole Smash formula. But for me, it's kind of like, yeah, you know, I like all these characters. I'm a real big game history nerd, and they dig up some incredibly obscure Nintendo stuff for this. It's fun to see. You know, the game's really... Once, once you've got the basics down, it's pretty easy to get a grasp of any character because the controls are fairly universal across the board, which isn't terribly common in fighting games. And yeah, I know some people are out there yelling at me saying smash isn't a fighting game. And I'm telling you right now, shut up. You're wrong. (laughs) How is it not a fighting? Okay. 
Whatever. <laughs> I agree with that. It, it, it lacks the finesse of Time Killers and Kaiser Knuckle. Or <laughs> right. If anything, yeah. my feeling it's too much of a fighting game now, and I can't play it anymore. I'm frequently fighting to figure out what the hell I'm doing in the chaos yeah. on screen. So, sure, certainly now, it's a fighting game. Heidi, you mentioned all the uh, old Nintendo stuff they put into it, like the obscure things. Is there anything that really jumped out of you as a neat little bonus they threw in? Um, When they, you know, when Duck Hunt first leaked, that was like, <laughs> Wow, seriously? You're doing this? And then you, you got to see what this kind of stuff he does. Like, uh, he brings out all the banditos from Hogan. Uh, no, it's not Hogan's Alley. But I think some Hogan's Alley guys show up in his final smash. Yeah, Wild Gunman is the one. And he's got the, the can that launches. And that's actually based on an old uh, Nintendo toy, I believe. Oh, back when they did the um, toy guns and stuff like that and the Ultra Hand or whatever? Yeah, that that kind of thing. Oh. So, like, they're digging way, way back. And whatever. they've also got a lot of music from uh, from older games as well. A lot of stuff you haven't heard of, a lot of remixes of uh, Japan-only games, things like that. Though, I feel a little sad that they aren't acknowledging a few things, like Star Tropics... Oh, I yeah. think they're never going to acknowledge that. And Marvelous, they're never going to acknowledge oh, that. Yeah. The Treasure Island one, yeah. Yeah, which is a shame because that's historically important. It's Eiji Aonuma's first game. Mm-hmm. Well, first directed game, at least. But what they do have in there is a lot of fun. And there are all these little Easter eggs, like on Pelotena's Temple, you can... Uh, do pits down taunts and him and Palutena will start talking shit about uh, another character that's on screen. And some of them are really, really funny. (laughs) It's little things like that. And the game just feels nice. I mean, you can, you know, there's the whole debate about whether smash is meant to be played with four people and items and totally chaotic or if you have to play it tournament style with two people and no items fox only final destination yada yada but i think the good thing about smash is that there are so many ways to customize it that you can play the way you and your buddies want to and still have fun with it and basically say screw you guys for dictating how i want to play i'm just going to do this myself and have a good time yeah, no, I, we were talking about this a little bit, and I said, you know, I appreciate Smash as a party game. And, like, that's what it's fun for, is when you have a bunch of people over and you play Smash Brothers. Uh, so, you know, that, that's sort of my take on it. Although, I'm, you know, I'm really curious about the online, because in my experience, like, Mario Kart has been perfectly fine, and I've played a lot of it online with friends. Um, so, you know, I was hoping maybe they got that right. I, I don't know. Well, like I said, patch just released today. I haven't gotten around to trying it yet, but that's definitely on the agenda for tonight and tomorrow. And then, you know, hopefully I ship it off to you this weekend. So, yeah, we here's here's hoping because that's pretty crucial that they get that right. <laughs> oh, indeed. Yeah. Um, uh, other so- than that. Uh, Zach, did you also get the uh, the Mario Kart 8 DLC? I did. Yeah, I was playing it the other day. It's uh, I it's really good. I think it's a really I think for what you get for your money is really solid. Like plenty of stuff in there. I'm really you know impressed. Nintendo is on the ball with DLC for once in like ever. <laughs> right. But what you get from it is really good. You know, it took a while to come out. It's been what well over six months since 
since uh, Mario Kart 8 released, hasn't about, it? Yeah, and usually yeah, the DLC window is a lot shorter, but it seems like Nintendo just took the care to make the DLC something something that's worth it. Yeah, well, I mean, you get enough tracks for an entire extra Mario Kart game. Like once it once it's all released, they're releasing it in two yeah. halves. But it's it's uh, a total of what, like sixteen new tracks or twelve new tracks or something like that. Right, right, yeah, and it's is, just yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know what else to say other than it's really impressive and it's nice that they're you know. Keeping Mario Kart going. Mario Kart has always been kind of one of their evergreen games. It's something that sells when it comes out and just continues selling very well for the entire lifespan of the system. So, of course, Nintendo has a good reason to keep people playing and keep people spending money on it. What, what do you think of the tracks? I like them a lot. I think uh, I think they're really fun. There's a few that I sort of dread getting when I'm playing multiplayer and... Uh... You know, everyone does their track selection. Like, I'm really, uh, really not a fan of the uh, the remake of the GBA, the Yoshi uh, Yoshi <laughs> Safari, because oh, the turns are like they're really harsh. <laughs> and you know, if you're not really on the ball with those turns, it's really difficult. Um, but other than that, they, they're really nice. The Zelda one in particular, like they put a lot of work into it. And uh, it's, I love the F Zero one, but that one's it's, really fun. Uh, yeah. The problem with the F-Zero track is that it reminds me that there hasn't been a new F-Zero game in, like, a decade, and that breaks my heart. Well, the track's really good, so I guess it'll have to do for now. What but, was the last F-Zero? It was the arcade, yeah. wasn't it? Uh, no, there was a Japan-only Game Boy Advance F-Zero that released to coincide with the anime. Oh, God, that anime. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow, that was a while ago. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think something that's pretty cool about those... Mario Kart tracks, from what I understand, I don't, I haven't actually played them, is that they actually do something with the form of the game, and I think that's sort of what's the most disappointing thing about DLC, is it's very, or essentially always like, oh, hey, you liked our game? Here's, like, another level of, like, gray corridors that you can shoot guys in. Yeah. Yeah. Always feels Indeed. like a little half baked. Uh, whereas, yeah, even as someone who doesn't play Mario Kart and really hasn't enjoyed one since like the super Nintendo one, which I loved. And then I played a bunch of the N64 one in college, but uh, I was really <laughs> enthralled by the idea of them making basically like a pitch perfect F zero track in Mario Kart and I was just and I was charmed by like oh the in, instead of coins in the Zelda track it's rupees like <laughs> it's not like ground shaking but it's it's it shows that some actual thought went into it more than like here just give us $5 like here's more maps yeah but i mean once it's all out it's twice it's going to effectively give the game twice as much content and that's uh I don't know. I just I kind of expected them to be sort of junky, you know. Well, we we made these in a weekend kind of tracks, but no, I, I was really impressed with it. Well, beyond Nintendo stuff, um, I played and reviewed Tales of Hearts R, which I quite liked. Dave, did you uh, play that as well? No, uh, I think I'm done with Tales for a while. 
Zillia broke me of it. I tried Zillia too, and I got like a couple <laughs> hours into it, and I was just like, nope, nope, don't want to, don't want to yeah, play this. Yeah, yeah, Zillia was uh, was quite the disappointment. But I really, really like Hearts Are though. Dave, I know when you play Tales, you tend to be more into uh, the co-op, so you can play with yeah, friends, right? I was going to ask if it's if it had any sort of multiplayer. Technically, that, I it's on Vita, right? Yes. Yeah, it's a Vita version Technically, of a DS. Technically, I own two Vitas now because I got the TV one. <laughs> hmm. yeah, Honestly, I haven't, I haven't investigated that. It could well be possible, but I kind of have my that, doubts. Uh, that might get me back on board. <laughs> I thought because it was kind of fi- weird that the um, – I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, For uh, Tales I- of Hearts are they basically um, – <laughs> it was a – they redid the battle system really nicely, but it's random battles, isn't it? There's nothing that really... Yeah, the, the combat in in Tales of Hearts is super good. Like, some of the best Tales has seen in a very, very long time. Once you get about uh, four or five hours in, you unlock this system that lets you juggle enemies with... Uh, with, you know, these Marvel versus Capcom style combos where you're, you're summoning your friends, you're constantly replenishing your uh, your stock of arts, and you're just launching these poor saps all over the place. It's really fun. It's really satisfying. And it just, it, it feels like it's what Zillia should have been combat-wise. Unfortunately, I can't really say the same for Exploration, which is pretty bog standard and has random battles for I. I don't know why. Yeah, because I think even and the original uh, DS game didn't have random battles. Could be wrong though. Yeah, that's what yeah. I heard. I, I don't I don't have the DS game for comparison, mm. but that is what I have heard in that respect. They also added an entirely new character and I think they made another character playable for the first time. Also in the localization they changed like everybody's names, but they oh, kept yeah. the dialogue in Japanese. Which is really weird to hear. Yeah, because you can hear it's well, kind of off there. Like they're saying core. There's, no, they're saying Shing, but the main character is named Shingu. Core. Shingu, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't really get into the story too much, but I was only got. Well, tale stories it. are always just utter garbage. Yeah. They exist as vehicles for the characters to be fun with each other. And it was the characters thing too, because originally you start off where what's her name Kohaku is sort of. The, your standard fantasy heroine, then she all of her powers get stripped away and she turns into this emotionless blank slate. Who They kind of use it for amusing effect in the character skits and stuff, but it almost struck me as like a more annoying version of what Exilia did because, um, I mean, Mila, she, at the beginning, she loses all of her powers and stuff, but she doesn't really change into a non-character mm-hmm. so much. So that kind of got on my nerves. I didn't really get into any of the characters so far, which is kind of the linchpin of a Tales game. At least as far as the single player mode right. goes, so I might go back to it and try to, some more of it because the battle system was really right. fun that I liked. Yeah, definitely better than Zillion Zillia Two, which I thought were total disappointments. I'm hoping Zestiria will do better, but uh, Tales is kind of fifty fifty for me at this point. There have been some real winners, and there have. Uh, been some real losers, and you can't really just pick one out of the bin and tell which is which anymore. Yeah, because they're all the same team now, I think. they. Yeah, you don't have the A Tails team and the B Tails team. They all kind of work together on stuff, or they outsource it to somebody in the case of all the weird spinoffs. 
Right. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, <laughs> We get a lot of questions about those games, and I I have not played a modern one in a very long time. Ever, actually, I don't think. Uh, but, uh, okay, so um, is that about it? Um, I'm playing a lot of old stuff. I don't know how much you want me to uh, talk about old Taito games, but man, I can go about those for hours. <laughs> well, we but, have limited uh, time, yeah. so maybe give us a, a short <laughs> version. Um, well, when I was playing Smash, like one of the stages you can open is based on the old arcade game Pac-Land. Pac-Land is a pretty interesting Namco arcade game that didn't get a lot of attention here in the States, but it actually predates... Uh, the original Mario Brothers in a lot of ways as a side-scroller in terms of innovations. Like, it introduced things like, uh, has parallax scrolling in, in some areas. It's got, you know, side-to-side scrolling with a defined start and end point, certain, you know, objectives. It doesn't have an end, like an ending like Mario Brothers does, but it does have a lot of these uh, platforming-type challenges that have come to be in pretty much every game since, you know, like platforms that are unstable enemies that, uh, fly through the, fly through the air and, uh, change formations, things like that. It's kind of hard to describe without showing, but the, the way they, uh, they put the game into smash, it's, it's a scrolling stage and they represented it really well, but one thing they also did with it was include a lot of retro music from old Namco games. The thing about Namco games, especially in the West, is that most people don't know many of them exist between Pac-Man and Tekken, but in Japan there's this huge legacy of stuff that has been incredibly influential. Stuff like uh, Tower of Druaga, which... Mm, I think it's a is a pretty terrible Yeah, that I think that game is pretty terrible, but it was influential in a lot of ways. It may have even inspired a fair bit of Zelda according to theories. Um you've got stuff like Xevious, things like Legend of Valkyrie. Oh yeah. And one game one game I've been playing a lot of is called Libble Rabble, and I'm doing a write up of it for uh, Gaming.moe now. It's a pretty interesting game. It was Toru Iwatani, uh, Pac-Man creator's follow-up to Pac-Man. It did not achieve mainstream success, and there are numerous reasons as to why, which I'm elaborating upon in my analysis of it. But uh, the music is in Smash Brothers, and it's got some incredibly catchy music. I suggest taking a listen when you open the stage. So... Yeah, I've been playing a lot of that, playing a bunch of uh, old Taito arcade games. Um, there's one I really like. It's, again, very similar to Pac-Man called Raymaze. And I'm doing a fair bit of research onto the, the background of that game because it's got some... Again, it's another game that introduced some interesting concepts, but I think it, it wasn't recognized for being... How do I put this? wasn't quite recognized for for being innovative. I think most people just looked at it and said, "Hey, this looks like another Pac-Man clone." Stuff like that. Huh. Um, a, an old Jaleco game called Phantasm, also known as Avenging Spirit. It got oh, a Game yeah. Boy port. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that game is weird as hell. Oh man, the ending where you—I think you can. 
you can I think in the Game Boy version there's like multiple endings I think where you can I guess leave the girl behind or something and she gets blown up in the island you basically you get shot and you die and you come back as a spirit and you possess all these kangaroos and robots and these gangsters and stuff like that right yeah that so game can, is yeah. is something it's oh, that weird was, uh, that was crash power brain sorry. i'm sorry never mind uh did they um did they put the legend of valkyrie music in smash brothers yeah, it's part of one of the Namco medleys. They've got okay. like a Namco medley from 1980 to 1985, and then like 1985 to 1990-ish, and Valkyrie's in the latter one. Mm. Well, Valkyrie's you know great, by the by. <laughs> Smash would be a day one purchase for me if they put the Dig Dug guy in it. Uh, <laughs> you know. Well, <laughs> one thing about the Namco games, I actually noticed, they, I think last month they put all those old Namco Museum games up on... Um, the PlayStation Network, all the PlayStation versions of that stuff. So it's not a bad way to catch up because the games are like six bucks each, and each of them has about half a dozen old Namco games, including the only the first English version of The Legend of Valkyrie. I think Pac-Land's on one of them too, if I'm not mistaken. It is. It might be. What weirds me out about about Pac-Land and Smash is that they don't have the original Pac-Land music, and I think I know why. It's actually a chiptune version of the old Hanna-Barbera cartoon theme song, so I assume there's some... <laughs> Crazy rights issue there. Oh yeah, the um, Ruby Spears or whoever made it. Oh, Hanna Barbera. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, cool. All right. Yeah. No, I, I dig all that old stuff. Uh, sometimes I I go digging around them too. But I, you know, I, you 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 do the research and the write ups. And Gaming Moy has got some really interesting stuff on it. So uh, congratulations on that. <laughs> and in the and in the dot, and in the dot Moe, uh, URL land grab you. <laughs> <laughs> you managed to to score that. I scored one, so. solid goal. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, I'll just sort of run through what I've kind of been uh, messing with. Largely, we've touched on everything already. Um, the only thing I, I wanted to definitely make sure I mentioned was that I did start playing the uh, PC port of Valkyria Chronicles, which I never touched on the PS3 but was told that I absolutely have to play it for years and years. Uh, even when that shitty anime came out, everyone was like, you got to play the game, though. The game's so good. And I can see, like, if the if the anime is the equivalent of what it's like watching the Valkyria Chronicles cutscenes, uh, it must be interminable. Because... <laughs> uh, you, you do not even know. Because as, like, as just standard <laughs> generic as that first game is... Like, by the time you get to the second, and there's, like, a 13-year-old girl chosen one, and the female, like, secondary main character, whatever you want to call her, is, like, falling all over the place because she's so clumsy, yeah. and your, like, sidekick is tall and has glasses. Oh, my God. Now, was the third one any better in that regard? Because it looked kind of like they did a Dirty Dozen thing where it's this yeah. unit of renegades, but I'm guessing it was still a valuable lesson about how... Anime Hitler is evil and racism is wrong or something. I don't know. I've, I played a certain extent of the fan translation, but like I was still riding the Valkyria Chronicle wave that got me through two. By the time I got to three, I was like pretty cognizant of how going to mobile had crippled that series. And like I just hated how they like cut up those giant areas into these little stupid maps that were reused like 30 times throughout the course of the game. Yeah, I think the 
they made a browser game about it or something. Or, um, <laughs> I think it was they a browser game for everything. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of where the last game it went. That I was like, <laughs> yeah. Well, like Star Wars too. But did, it, did you like the gameplay, Zach? Uh, well, yeah, it's fine. I mean, it, it's so the pace is so slow that I'm I'm like I want to skip the cutscenes because I don't care about the story. I do like the gameplay, but again, it's very slow. Um, I need to. What I need to do is like set aside a Sunday, plow through it until I'm until I'm leveling up and getting new things and progressing up whatever the skill trees are, and upgrading units and shit. Whatever, whatever. Once once I get firmly into that territory, I think I'll have more fun with it. Right now, my my experience with it is this is neat, but I, it's it's so slow, and I gotta watch a bunch of these bullshit cutscenes before I can before I can play the game. And I feel like I'm spending more time watching the stupid cutscenes than I am playing the game. Uh, so it's a little frustrating, but, I mean, I got it cheap. So, you know, it, I'll, I will probably put some time into it, uh, you know, once I'm done with uh, Dragon Age, which has been sucking up my available free time since it came out uh, Monday. And... Uh, I was a little skeptical about that, but then the re- reviews started coming out saying, like, well, shit, this is great. And I, then I got excited because, honestly, I just wanted another Bioware RPG to play. Um, it's been since Mass Effect 3, and even though I, you know, I, I think I dumped, like, 80 hours into Dragon Age 2, even though I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I think nobody really liked that game, but... I, I, did. I, I thought it was okay. It's like I'm not saying it's terrible or anything. Obviously, I didn't hate it because I played a shit ton of it. Um, but going back to this one, since I played those on a console, and this one I'm playing on a PC, which uh, crashes a lot, by the way. Um, mm. Yeah, it's got some weird, weird errors. A lot of people like cutscenes. There's weird crash during cutscenes. A lot of people uh, are experiencing. I'm having that problem, but I just avoided it because I wanted to not get it on origin i assumed it wasn't on steam so i just got it on playstation but that's disheartening to know because everybody those things are usually you go to them on the pc because you get a little bit of a graphical bump out of them yeah and performance yeah i've got a pretty i've got a pretty decent gaming pc and i didn't buy a ps4 i didn't buy either of the new consoles because basically everything comes out on pc now and i have a pretty beefy pc so uh, it's a little disheartening, but you know I've gotten there are fixes and stuff, and I'm I've, I'm I'm like you know six or seven hours in, I think maybe a little less than that. Um, and uh, it's it's not the end of the world. It's not like stopping me from playing the game or anything. Just some random crashes. But uh, in order to uh, have any kind of an import, a save game import, since I played on the Xbox, I can't import my saves to the PC. So they set up this thing called Dragon Age Keep, and you can go there. And make a save game um, to import all your story choices from the first two games into the new one. And I will be damned if I remember a single thing that I did <laughs> in any of those Dragon Age games. I remember the ending. I remember a few things from Dragon Age 2, but most of it is... Wait, who's it in the what's now? Like, <laughs> You don't remember if you helped the werewolves? Yeah, I no, I don't remember that at all. I always play like super paragon characters in Bioware, so I just pick whatever the nice thing is. Yeah. Um, and, but, you know, as I was going through, I remember in my Dragon Age 2 game, your sister, uh, your sister character, uh, was, uh, Bethany. 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 
she died, like, okay. I don't know, in a mine or something. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'll rewrite history here. But then it turns out, like, another character has to die if she's alive or something like that. And I'm like, man, I, whatever. So, like, yeah, I, I picked it, it few, does pull back the veil of, like, yeah. uh, none of this actually matters. Well, I, I, I picked a few key uh, a few key moments and then export. You don't have to do everything. So I just picked, like, beginning and romance, that kind of stuff, and then imported it. And, uh, it, you know, I'm not even sure if it's even going to have much of an impact, but, like, the only thing Dragon Age 2 even pulled from your original save was, like, the name of and appearance of your character in the first game. And that was, like, at the very end of the game. You see your old Dragon Age character for, like, a minute. And maybe it's a flashback. I don't even know. Um, but if that happens in this, you know, sure. That'd be kind of neat, I guess. It was only a few minutes of my time. Um, but it it does go to show you, like, it's... that That game is... Uh, the Dragon Age, like, lore is bullshit 800-page fantasy paperback, <laughs> like, nightmare. Yeah, I've read, like, four codex entries in, like, the 15 or 20 hours I've played the game. I'm just, like, I'm past it, I think. I had to remember what the factions are and why they're fighting and all that yeah. stuff. And, you know, they're like, oh, this character, blah, blah, from the Chantry Templars. Okay. No, <laughs> I don't, no, I don't no. know. are worse than Robert Jordan. <laughs> I don't know about that. That's a tall order. Like, let's not say mm. things we can't take back. <laughs> Is it worse than Terry Goodkind? That's a question. Uh, maybe uh, on the same level. Now, Zach, in this game, your your character's like an inquisitor. You're heading up this entire this organization or something after you're the survivor or something. What sort of moral decisions do they put? Yeah, inquisitor might not have the cachet you're thinking. Yeah. It's, it's not all that interesting. It's not the... Uh, Basically... Uh, the beginning of the game is supposed to be like this peace peace talks between the two warring major warring factions in the game, and it gets blown up nine eleven style, like the end of Dragon Age two. Right. <laughs> They're really a big fan of giant building with a lot of important people, and it blows up, and then the world changes. Um, <laughs> but your character is sort of wakes up in the rubble and has a magic. She's it's a chosen one narrative, so you have magic connection to evil portals on your hand and you can close the evil portals but uh the inquisition gets started to bring peace back to the land like it's not uh it it's not an actual inquisition it's uh <laughs> it's let's let's bring order let's restore order now that all these important people are dead um and uh i like all those mechanics i like the uh, building up of your army and getting your, you know, expanding the resources and everything of the uh, of the Inquisition. It reminds me a little bit of like Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, and I, I liked that. It's just enough fun in menus and you know gathering things and using your resources. Just enough for me. Like it's not too much. Um, so I'm enjoying that. Uh, otherwise, it's a Dragon Age game. I mean, you buy armor and you kill things and. You decide which uh, Bioware character you want to have your weird puppet body mashed together in an awkward cutscene. Um, and that's so, yeah, I've been flirting with everybody, and this one of them just was like, "No." Yeah, there's a couple. There's apparently there are a few. They decided like, "Oh, it." I somebody put it as it's not the bisexual buffet of Dragon Age Two, and I was like, "Yeah, Dragon Age Two was a bit much." It didn't like, make sense that I could bang everyone in the game. Like, surely someone's not interested. So this game, they put in a few characters that you can't fuck. Which, hey, thanks for realism. I appreciate it. I mean, if that flirt option is there, I'm going to choose it, whatever character it's attached to. So, like, so I think I tried to flirt with like the scout 
who gives you your missions and like I'm just going around like bartenders, you know, whoever's there. Uh, yeah, God, no it one's like Rune Factory where you can ask every character to marry you. But. Yeah, <laughs> like if that existed, that would be fine. And I will fully admit that the addition of stupid dating sim mechanics in Bioware games is a draw for me because it, it's not oh, really, it. it's totally not in a lot of games, and it leads to some really funny, awkward shit. And it's good. It's fun. Like, it, it's enjoyable. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, You know, all I'm doing now is, like, tedium, running around the wastelands, you know. Help, my husband was killed by the Templars, and he had he had his wedding ring. Can you get my wedding ring? Go kill Templars, pick up ring, bring back to Farmer's Wife, get a few experience points. Move on to the next bullshit, you know, busy work. Uh, it's scratching a niche. I'm enjoying it a lot. Like, it's very pretty. Uh, it runs pretty well, aside from the crashes. So, yeah, it's, that's, you know, I, for a while I was kind of like, I kept forgetting it was going to come out and then remembering and then forgetting and then remembering. Now that it's out, it's like, oh, this is the game I wanted this year. This is, this is what I wanted. Mm. So I'm perfectly happy with it. It's, it's totally giving me what I need. Yeah, um, I, I'm enjoying a lot uh, as far as I've played it. I think I'm kind of just past the end of what, what you would call Act 1, probably. Okay. Um, the only thing that kind of disappoints me, like they've got some options to go down sort of the, like the surreal and phantasmagoric paths with like the fade, which is like the oh. ethereal other world where demons live Nothing, whatever. Uh, and it all just feels like so commonplace. And, you know, from like almost the start of the game, they're like, oh, we got to watch out for this elder one guy. Mm. And that sparks some promise in me because like. Uh, you know, I'm kind of into, into that idea of, like... The Lovecraftian oh, thing. Yeah. yeah, sure. Like, the overwhelming force that knows not your human morality. But then, like, you know, when it, when push comes to shove, it always sort of boils down to, like, some douchey guy being like, don't you recognize I'm a god? Like, uh, <laughs> so the point I'm at in the story, like, the villain has been revealed, and I was like, eh, is that that's who I'm scared of? Really? And so, like, what I liked about Dragon Age 2 was until the very end of the game, it was just what was going on in this one city. Uh, and my favorite part of the game is just, like, how do we deal with this Kunari problem? Like, we've got these, like, ascetic warriors just hanging out in our city, uh, and people are converting to their religion, and we're not happy with that. <laughs> Uh, and then, of course, like, you know, things go off the rails in the, that game and it ignites the conflict that spins off into this one. Um, well, I mean, in terms of the villain reveal, like you're only fi- you said you're what, 15 hours in? Yeah. So like a f- prob- people are say, what, 50 hours if you do just the story stuff like it's a huge game. Yeah. So the odds that are. that's actually the final villain, probably pretty yeah. low. <laughs> I mean, that may well be true because I looked him up and I was like, what? This is a guy from just some DLC that I never played. <laughs> So it, it, I'm sure, yeah, there's probably something greater out there. But I was just sort of like, I don't know. You know, that, like, tired, like, every hero or every villain is a hero in his own story. Like, that's played out. But, like, when, I, when I'm coming up into one of these games, it's like, it just seems like the dude just wants to blow up the world or whatever. And I would like, like, a little more nuance than that. Yeah. Uh, and maybe they'll come, you know. I don't know. What I like about Dragon Age is they have one of the best charge attacks in like all video games <laughs> where you just like truck over whatever's in your path and you <laughs> run for as long as you hold the button down. I've noticed, I, I don't know, I'm playing a warrior uh, sword and shield 
And every, like, I've noticed there's a shit ton of knockback stuff. So when there's a fight, dudes are just flying. And me and my party members mm-hmm. are just flying everywhere all the time. Yeah. It's kind of well, funny. <laughs> I mean, I'm really enjoying it. It's totally satisfying. It is easy as hell. Like, oh, yeah. I've got my rogue dropping poison arrow clouds. I got my mage freezing guys. And then I smash him with my whirlwind attack, which also just goes and as long as you hold the button down. Like, as long as you have stamina to support it. So I just charge into a mess of guys, war cry, which gives you like temporary health or whatever, so they can't knock you down. And then you just hold down whirlwind, and they're probably all dead by the time you run out of stamina. What uh, skill tree is that in? Just the two-handed one. I'm I'm also a warrior. Oh, I'm not doing two. And that's the thing that like there's like a little bit of grit to those skill trees, but I'm only like level ten, and I feel like I've gotten all the things I'm excited about. Really? Yeah, the, the, they looked pretty weak, but I was hoping there would be more. Like something would open up. Well, I got to a point where there is something slightly new. So there are like specializations, but I didn't pick anything. They just showed up. <laughs> so there, there, there are more things to unlock, and I don't know if there's more past that. But I was really disappointed in the beginning because I was like, wait a minute, every warrior has the same skill tree. And every rogue and so on. But it, it, that at least changes a little as far as I've played. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, um, I, I'm excited to have a day off at some point so I can just sink a bunch of time into it. And, yeah, uh, I mean, for me, it, it kind of like cuts a line for me between like Skyrim, which I enjoy, but always sort of just like tolerate its blandness. Mm-hmm. And like Dragon's <laughs> Dogma, which I really liked. It's like kind of bad personality but i like the way you traverse the world in that like this dragon age is kind of in the center where like there is just a little bit of like a meditative like pleasingly repetitive quality to like picking up shards and drawing the constellations and doing all these things that you would just be like what i'm not gonna do that like if you were playing assassin's creed or something like that for whatever reason like the presence of dragons is enough to hook me in this instance (laughs) That's actually all I need. Like secrets revealed. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, I, I just make Assassin's Creed with a dragon. Uh, I'll get you a copy of Dragonheart for the uh, Sega Saturn if you want. <laughs> oh God! Oh, that game's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> or Lair? How about Lair? <laughs> I, do, I, mean, I, I think I tried to play it right when the PS3 came out and like could not figure out the controls and promptly sent it back. Jesus. Okay. All right. Uh, so we got to get to um, Twitter questions. I did play a little Destiny and was profoundly bored by it. So, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. that's my I, opinion I, of Destiny. I didn't even finish the story. <laughs> some people so are like, there some people one. are, apparently, like, a lot of people are, like, massively addicted to it. So I guess good for them on recouping their half a billion dollar investment or however much they spent on that. Um, but, yeah. Okay. Uh, Twitter questions. Let's uh, burn through these uh, here. Uh, Branko Berkson asks, do any of you watch extra credits? Do you think it has good info on games? Uh, the only extra credits video I've ever watched seemed very, um, I don't know, preachy, I want to say. Uh, a little bit too like, hey, we've got the rational answers. And what they were saying seemed like it was making a mountain out of a molehill. I, I wasn't particularly impressed with it, but I know a lot of people like it. So I've only seen one video, and I wasn't like, wow, this I got to see more of. So I'm sure people like it. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think they got like some pretty good one-on-one stuff. 
sometimes. Um, yeah. And like just sort of basic precepts of game design. I can't stand the gimmick. Like yeah. the squeaky voice thing just makes it, uh, it just sets off some like tick in my brain and I just can't watch those videos. It's like you can't do YouTube nowadays without some really stupid gimmick or dumb skits to, uh, you know, put in between your actual informative game review. It's yeah. like, guys, can I can I just watch what you're doing? If it's a Let's Play, just show me the game and talk over it. I don't need your dumb cartoon voices or <laughs> you're doing informative skits. I don't, I, I don't need your, your crappy puppet characters and your stupid <laughs> costumes and your multiple personalities. Just tell me what I need to know and shoot it well. Jesus, is it that hard? Maybe it's just not for you. It sounds like it's for uh, little children. It sounds like I would read it, so I don't know. <laughs> like what you just described could also describe like a PBS show that's on, <laughs> you know, at 7.30 in the morning. Yeah, Sesame Street with video games. Right. <laughs> I would watch that, but no. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm just really sick of just the usual insert adjective video game, insert synonym for nerd here. Like, guys, find a new shtick, seriously. What, you don't like the disgruntled video game dork who, (laughs) The loquacious video game charlatan, I don't know. Be right back, about to... Register disgruntled video game dorked up moe. <laughs> it's like or at, Patreon. That content is all the same. It's some guy swearing about how bad Fa- Batman Forever is on the Sega Saturn. Like we know, <laughs> we know, guys. Like that, and and they've strip mined the last twenty years. If there's a single game that came out that was kind <laughs> of bad, there's some guy screaming into a camera about how horrible it is on YouTube that has a million views. Like, it has been thoroughly strip-mined. I, I don't think there's much left. Like, if somebody's like, I'm going to do the angry game guy shtick, uh, forget it, man. That land rush is over. <laughs> it's done. Um, there's still a lot of Japanese uh, kusoge that haven't been mined yet, but a lot of them are in Japanese. So yeah. uh, well, there's there a go. big impediment right there. There's your well, the person, the person who has the patience to learn Japanese might not be the same person who, like, hammers out that sort of YouTube video, though I, I, I can't say for sure. Yeah, Heidi, yeah. you could become the perturbed video game girl. <laughs> the jilted perturbed. game Japanophile, I don't know. <laughs> like, like Star Children for the Famicom or whatever they call it, whatever that one is. Oh, oh God. That RPG oh God. where the, the first town is invisible or something? Yes. What is it? Invisible and like the last digit of your health does not display. Yes, yes. Oh, man. But I'm sure there's a YouTube video of some guy swearing intel- unintelligibly at that. So <laughs> Probably on Nico somewhere. You could, be, you could be the working out your anger issues weeaboo. <laughs> yes. God, I really had to think of a W thing. Anyway, um, <laughs> Neocalus Cage asks, favorite party or local multiplayer games? Uh, I guess we'll just go around, Todd. Oh, jeez. You can can think back to your youth if you don't really play a lot of local multiplayer. I've always liked the Mario Karts. We talked about those already there. And, um, jeez. I've always wanted to get... um, They're kind of tough to get through because you kind of need a multiplayer setup for them. But I like arcade games where you basically have, like, three to four people playing at once. Like Alien vs. Predator, all the old Capcom beat-em-ups. Mm-hmm. This yeah. that, that's Turtles. kind of uh, not really conducive to a party game unless you can get like Guardian Heroes off of Xbox and get 
what is it, 10 player? Dragon's Crown, man. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That game's Even though great. Just dragon- four player Dragon's Crown is a little tough to follow. Yeah. I still like the Guardian Heroes one where you, it, you get go into versus mode and you get, sure. like, what is it, eight characters, ten characters now? I think uh, in the Xbox I, Live version you can do, like... It was a lot more. It was, like, 15 villagers versus yes. one village god who will triumph. <laughs> it's always the village god. Like, yeah. the villagers' attack is, like, fall down. Yeah, so if you can find enough people for that, that's a good one. All right, uh, Dave? Uh, I mean, so in my youth... My two favorite are probably uh, Mario Kart on Super Nintendo and um, the first Smash Brothers. But we just did Extra Life, and I had so much fun streaming uh, Crawl, which is like the four-player sort of a it's sort of a dungeon crawler action game where one person is the hero, and the other three people possess monsters to try and kill the hero to become the hero. Uh, and it's just fantastic. And, like, each person picks a god uh, that determines the progression of their monsters. So you start with these, like, crappy things like rats and spiders. But even the spiders can, like, lay down webs. And later you have these guys that are putting down poison fields. Meanwhile, when you turn into the hero, you can spend your gold to buy, like, weapons and spells and attack rolls and stuff. Uh, and it's like, takes maybe 45 minutes to play the game. And it's unfinished. So there's really just like the one level where it culminates in the whoever is currently the hero fighting a boss that is like a giant squid monster where one person controls the brain and the other two control the tentacles, which have different attacks. Uh, but it's like it's on PC and I think it's early access. But, yeah, I was just sort of astonished at how much fun I was having with this like unfinished game. Hmm. Oh, but I should actually should say uh, the WarioWare that was on GameCube, Twisted, or well, I think it was. I think it was the one that was essentially like a micro yeah, game of game. the GBA. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, they had this game where everybody would have to play a mini game, mm-hmm. but interstitially, you each character was on this stack of turtles that yes. would increase by one each time you lost a mini game, and the true goal was not to fall off your stack of turtles. And when you did, you became this ghost turtle that could harass other people's stacks. <laughs> uh, I remember this, yes. I mean, it's worth having, I guess, a Wii around so you can play that game just for that mode. It's so fun. And, like, every WarioWare since then has been a colossal letdown with regards to its multiplayer. <laughs> like, the Wii one sucked. Right. And that turtle Let's not even get into so the Wii U one. Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, that's barely like that one's kind of barely a game at all. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, uh, Heidi. Um, I was just thinking about Towerfall. Has anyone else played Towerfall? Once or twice. Yeah, it's fun. Oh, that that game is fantastic. There's this place in San Francisco called The Foundry and uh, Tuesday and Thursday nights, they'll they'll run game nights and they'll have tournaments like Tuesday is smash and Thursday is street fighter, but they always have a bunch of extra setups for people who want to play just a collection of board games or, you know, PC old retro games. They always have a chip tune DJ going there. And of course, plenty of drinks and food, but tower is pretty much a staple of the, uh, of the foundry. And it's always fun to just jump in and start wrecking people's shit. <laughs> I do. I do like that game. 
a fair bit. Um, another multiplayer game I've been playing a lot recently is uh, Monster Strike, which is actually a mobile phone game. Uh, it was created by Yoshiki Okamoto, who has had a oh, an interesting and varied oh, and yeah, tragic yeah. career. That's it's you could do a whole podcast about Game Republic and and basically how he got screwed over so badly, but he's made a comeback. He's got this hugely successful mobile game in Japan, and they just launched it in the states. And I'm I'm kind of into it. I've been talking with uh, David Cabrera on Twitter a bit of it. He's not quite as enamored with it as as I am, mostly because the multiplayer does have some issues, like. You can't kick people who have crappy connections or who are doing really stupid things like uh, shooting themselves straight into the suicide walls or forgetting to take their turns or things like that. But it, it's quite a bit of fun multiplayer, especially if you can get a regular group of people together because the game really wants you to play multiplayer. You get a lot of free stuff, including premium currency if you do multiplayer especially if you're just starting out and the rewards you get the the item drops the money are tend to be a lot better in that respect it's a it's a fair bit of fun though i can definitely see why some people aren't quite getting into it i'm curious to see how it will wind up evolving into the future cool um yeah i guess uh, for me the uh all-time favorite party game multiplayer Local uh, would be Monkey Target in Super Monkey Ball 2 on the GameCube. It's <laughs> uh, a classic. I don't know why I love that so much, but it is, <laughs> it is and forever will be my favorite. It is the most fun to play with a big, grunt, with a big bunch of drunk people. Uh, Gone Gone Always Wins? Yeah, Gone Gone Always Wins, yes. <laughs> That's true. I drove many of my coworkers crazy at, in my days at Wizard uh, Entertainment out there. Um, but... Um, <laughs> The other, uh, uh, the other one, uh, any Soul Caliber except for three, is like a really good party game because that's kind of like a little bit like Smash in terms of you can just pick it up, play it, mash some buttons. People who have never played it before will win, um, and there's enough characters so that it's fun for like an hour, and then everyone's done with it. So I, I think it's pretty good, like for a party game. Um, Did you like five or? Yeah, I liked five. Fine. Okay. I mean, you know, it was okay. I, I didn't. Like it, it seemed like you could dump a lot of your life into that game just unlocking everything if you wanted to. Um, I never did. I played it for a little while and then, you know, got rid of it. I think I, I didn't hang on to it for very long. But I've always seen Soul Calibur as a party game, and at the time I didn't exactly have a party of people to play it with. Uh, so it wasn't, you know, that that is a uh, hang out with your buddies, play a few rounds, and then move on to something else kind of a game. But it's always it's always been a smash hit at every party I've ever brought it out at. Um, and uh, yeah, Smash Brothers. I, th- I think the world reigning champion worst party game to play with people in a setting where you're supposed to be having fun would be, of course, Mario Party. Any of them, <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I can think of worse. Anyone remember Sonic Shuffle? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, if you want to get into Pac-Man Fever, if you want to get into the sad history of Mario Party clones, <laughs> we can always play like Shrek Party Slam or whatever. You know. <laughs> Why haven't we played Shrek Party Slam, Zach? (laughs) How about the Whacked for the Xbox? Yeah, Fusion Frenzy. (laughs) There's a lot of bad ones. Mario Party is just interminable. Anyway, um, 
Okay, moving on. Frank Brazilian asks, Sega released Valkyria Chronicles on PC. What others would you like to see them release? Uh, it says He says in parentheses, Virtual, Virtual Cop 3, I guess. Mm. Um, or maybe that's supposed to be Valkyria Chronicles. Yeah, yeah, Valkyria Chronicles three. Oh, it's not Virtual oh, Cop. I, I'm still waiting <laughs> for Virtual my Cop Virtual Cop three port. I, I feel want like that it really so fell bad. off after two. <laughs> my brain immediately. If I see VC, it's not Virtual Console. It's not Valkyria uh, Chronicles. It will forever yeah. be Virtual Cop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, be a tongue no, no, Okay. Uh, the Yakuza I, games. I I would really like to see all of the Panzer Dragoon games. Um, piece yeah, of so, so you can play yeah well. Saga out on something. Yeah, why yes. haven't they done that? I guess lost or whatever. I guess because yeah. Saturn games are impossible to work with, but I, you know, the, well, they did nights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they sure did that piece of yeah. shit. <laughs> and to go back to what I was, something I mentioned earlier, I I'd like to see a Burning Rangers port that really, you know, made the game look like they intended it to, instead of the half glitchy mess that they kind of had to sell a four on the Saturn. So do you want to see burning Rangers HD or like a full yes. remake? Burning Rangers HD would be, would be okay with me. A full remake with like a modern version of the song. There you <laughs> yes. Go. Right. Well, it's timeless, you know, you can't mess with that. Anybody else? PC ports of relatively recent Sega games. Relatively recent games. I don't know, like last mm-hmm. 10, 15 years or something. <laughs> well, Asshole. it's not Billy Hatch or giant egg. Mr. Bones. <laughs> Jesus. Sorry. Um, hmm. Actually, I'm not much of a PC person, and it's like I own all the Sega games I'd want already. I guess it's just, if I wanted ports of something, I'd say, you know, remake a bunch of these Model 3 games that never got decent ports. I'd really like to see a lot of that since they did a Model 2 collection, and Sega seems to be banking a lot on old stuff as of late. It'd be really cool to see. Um, Jeez. Yeah, maybe, you know, get Yakuza 5 out there. That'd be swell. Mm. I think they could do okay business porting at least one of the Yakuza games to the PC. Yeah. One of the more recent ones. You know, those, those are okay. They're weird in their own way. Um... Well, you know, and of course we'll get we'll eventually get a port of the smash hit Sonic Boom. I mean, that's going to happen. Uh, I don't know. That is a Nintendo exclusive. I don't think Sega would waste the money. <laughs> I know I you're trying to be facetious here, but you know, I have to chime in with well, actually, Zach. <laughs> well, that's why we have you on. Um, Yay. Well, I'm holding out for Dynamite Dukes or whatever they call it. <laughs> the little duck game where you it's like a brawler but you're a cartoon duck and it's this utterly weird Sega artifact yeah, just give us the dreamcast check on the forever man and we'll be fine. okay uh, we can sit here and list shitty old say yeah we can forever. probably talk about black fire and gen war and all the right stop. Fighting game. Have to stop yes yes last bronx stop are you knocking last bronx no no that I, I, that's war. actually my favorite um am2 fighting game that was an am2 Oh, there was an empty year. Oh, that was a that was on. Um... See, well, actually, that's why we yes. have you on. <laughs> Who was it? AM three. Yeah, it was AM three. Okay, my bad. All right, Turco Loom Race asks: Is there any hope of saving the monotonous formula that is modern Zelda games? Sure. Boy, there's a loaded question. Yeah, nope. I guess this guy's tired of Zelda, so he's right though. Yeah, he's right. I don't think he's wrong. <laughs> that Skyward Sword was fucking unplayable. <laughs> I couldn't. God, I couldn't yeah. Do it. 
I watched it and I felt the life leaving my body. Yeah. Not even holding the controller. Actually, that game broke my laptop. Because the two minutes I played of it while Grotz was in the bathroom, I knocked a beer onto my laptop doing too much waggle. <laughs> Clearly the game's fault. It was Skyward Sword's fault. Okay, so that's you wouldn't want to see bamboo mini game. So a Zelda that's more like an open world game, would you want even want that or would... Uh, that'd be cool. Just make one like the first game. <laughs> did anyone? Did any of you play Hyrule Warriors? Yeah, no? I, I did. I did. Yes. Did you like it? It's a Warriors game. It's okay. uh, better than average Warriors game, but you know when it comes right down to it, it's a Warriors game, and you either like that stuff or you don't. Yeah, I discovered quickly that I kind of don't. So yeah, yeah. it's okay. It's fine. <laughs> like it seems fine. I'm sure. Like people who are into those games, it's a good example. Like I think it was, uh, I think it was Dan Reinhardt over on the Bombcast saying like it's the worst Zelda game ever and the best Warriors game ever. Pretty much. <laughs> that seemed accurate to me when I was playing it, and I, I've played the Warriors games before, and I'm like, yep, that's more of that. Anyway, um, so uh, yeah, no, I, I I think they could, and I think uh, Link to the well, Link Between Worlds on the 3DS was a pretty good step uh, in yeah. the direction of mixing up the formula. I just wish, like, so I really like Link Between Worlds. Uh, I reviewed it for the site whenever that was. Uh, the only thing I don't like about it is that I don't think we're ever going to escape sort of the precedent set by Link to the Past, which is just like, it's a game where you see the thing, and then an hour later, you get the thing you need to use on that thing. Mm. And, like, it stops being about exploration and starts being about, like, Here's a fucking puzzle. Just do it. Like, here's your hook shot. There's a post. You know what to do. Yeah. And so I just, I mean, I would take a million Link Between or Link Between Worlds or Link to the Past uh, before another Skyward Sword or or Twilight Princess. But I do feel like, in a lot of ways, Link to the Past was the beginning of the end. Um, What do you think about Okami, Dave? It's like super way too long. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. it's adorable. Uh, it is. It's like so. I mean, it's sad because like you get like thirty-five hours into that game and you're like, oh, this is a great like I knew inspired snow level. Um, but you that's sort of erased from your memory by having to fight the exact same Orochi boss like three times. Uh, I mean, I love that game in a lot of ways, but I also think it's the worst game. Kamiya's made. It's just so long. Like, I just don't want to play a game like that for 40-something hours. Right. Yeah. Although, Kamiya's worst game is kind of like, I don't know, the what the worst Hitchcock movie has. Yeah, that's what, I mean, that's what I'm saying, is that, like, I've liked everything he makes. Like, I just like uh, uh, Okabe the least. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock made some real stinkers, so that's... Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, he made one that he didn't even want released, so, okay. Um... <laughs> Okay, uh, so, yeah, no, I, I I don't know. I'll play whatever the next one is, I'm sure, depending on the reviews. If they're like, oh, this is like Skyward Sword, then fuck that. But if it's different enough, even even if they're just simplifying it a little bit, fine, whatever. It's fine. Um, Aaron Sarais asks, I dislike both microtransactions and Moe, but I can't stop playing Love Live School Idol Festival. Now, I know a lot of people who have been swallowed whole by Love Live School Idol Festival. And uh, he, she wants to know thoughts on why it hooks people, and if any of you have played it. 
I have been trying to play mobile games because I think they're an interesting, you know, new frontier, especially that you've got a lot of these big Japanese creators going almost entirely mobile, but I've managed to avoid that one so far. I'm sure <laughs> I'll look at it someday, but to be honest, I'm a little terrified. Yeah. Well, people, I, I have never seen a mobile game suck in that many of my friends at once. Like, it's kind of mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, I learned about it primarily through Tumblr. Yeah. Uh, right. And I don't want to know anything more than I do. Yeah. I know they talk about love gems a lot. Um, okay Angel X03 asks is anyone bummed out that Final Fantasy XV will have no playable female characters especially compared to the past mainline games I'm not because I think what they're going for with that is they are targeting the free uh, audience (laughs) yes yeah I think there's definitely still women in mind oh yeah there's gonna be what a locker room scene where they're all changing or something is that what you're expecting Uh, I just I think like they know where it's what side their bread is buttered on and they've probably looked at their (laughs) and they probably so to speak and like they they probably looked at their demographics and said you know what Fujoshi love Final Fantasy so Guess what the next one? Guess who the next one is going to target? Like the Fujoshi are a powerful spending lobby in the world of otaku in Japan, and mm. I think Square Enix is thinking, "Yeah, let's go for it." And that's fine with me. You know, I'm all I'm all for uh, equal opportunity pandering on this stuff. So long as there's something for everyone, I'm happy. And if mm. uh, that's what that is, uh, who knows? Maybe it'll be funny. Like that would be good. <laughs> I mean, they embrace the car meme. Obviously, they know that that there's an internet culture out there trying to uh, find amusement in this stuff. Yeah. yeah. So. Now, just to recap, they have, like, two female characters so far? Three, maybe? Yeah, it's never the whole cast. <laughs> out of a, yeah, out of a cast of, like, a dozen. So, yeah, I can see how people would complain about that, but, well, well, we'll see, you know. Okay, uh, got a question from Rogue of Space asking if anyone's playing Civilization Beyond Earth. Anybody? No. Or not. I mean, I, I, I'm not. My, my wife plays like every Civilization game and hasn't even gotten around to it. I feel like the philosophy with those games is like wait a year or two because they're – since four at least, they've never been fully formed until they get an expansion pack or two under their belt. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know anyone who's playing it either, which is weird because I have people constantly pestering me to play Civ Five with them. None of them are playing that one. I don't know. I mean, I used to love Alpha Centauri. But I think my time for Civ is come and gone. Right. Uh, There's a time for Civ, and that's usually around your college age years. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, th- I was playing like Civilization One when I think about nine, uh, and that was the height of my Civilization fascination. Uh, and I never really hit that peak again. Okay, I'm actually going to close with this one because I think it's a good question that. Uh, I have an opinion on Aquadraca asks, how long do you think Assassin's Creed can keep up the yearly model at this current rate? Man, I hope they stop. Well, as long as people keep, uh, keep paying for it. That's, that's the there's thing. There's no reason it? for them to stop. Is well, they're going with their wallets. Essentially, you know, or, well, I don't mean like stop making them. I mean, take every other year, <laughs> at least every other year, because when the, you know that, so three was bad. And I, I enjoyed what I played of 4, even though it was more of the open world. Uh, the problem with open world stuff you were talking about earlier, Dave, where it's a whole yeah. bunch of side stuff you don't want to do. Um, 
you know, but it was it was still a lot better than the third one and more fun than I had had with any of those games since two. Um, but this new one is apparently fucked beyond belief. Not, not <laughs> like not. I love those images. Well, oh and, and not just from a graphic <laughs> perspective. Everyone's saying it's boring as shit and like not fun, and you don't want to play it. Like it's this horrible slog. And you know, if they're going back to their old standby of Giant City with you know really expensively rendered city with chests to open and dull assassinations to carry out. Oh, that sounds boring. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's time to, like, mess with that formula a lot more than they are. But if it's going to be every single year, there's going to be at least one Assassin's Creed game, they're never going to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, I kind of just want to see how desperate they'll get for, you know, new time periods to explore and stuff like that. And we'll, we'll get to Assassin's Creed in the caveman era. They'll be sneaking around ancient Babylon. Some, who knows? I'd play the Babylon one. The caveman one would be uh, difficult. <laughs> yeah, what are you going to scale the inside of your cave? <laughs> you could scale some rocks find, and then some dinosaurs. It's a little hard to conceal the club. Assassin's Branch. Climb up the giant monolith from 2001 or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's the sci fi bullshit that they include. Like, at the exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't know. I have no desire to play the new one, obviously. I, I wonder if sales on it are going to be low enough. Maybe not to. Mm, probably not. Probably not to discourage them from churning out another one next year based on that engine. I'm willing to bet, you know, they probably made back their money just on on pre-sales, but I, <laughs> that's just idle speculation on my part. But obviously, you know, there's no reason for them to stop. They've got a cash cow, and even if it sucks this year, you know, people are going to say, well, maybe, you know, next year will be good. Maybe it's like Devil May Cry, and uh, except, you know, the even, the even ones are good and the odd ones are bad or whatever – Whatever formula they follow. You know, it's like the Sonic cycle, except it's the Assassin's Creed cycle now. Is there a Sonic cycle? I thought they were just all bad, except for, like, the first two. <laughs> well, some are worse than others, though. I mean, um... Sonic Colors is, like, genuinely a fantastic platformer. I will go to bat for that game so hard. All right. Well, you heard it here. Don't mess with uh, Sonic Colors. Sonic Colors. <laughs> Uh, okay, guys, that we are out of time, so that wraps us up. Uh, thank you all for stopping by and, and chatting. It was a lot of fun. And uh, Oh, God, I bet I sounded awful. No, 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 everyone was great. Um, so thanks a lot. Okay, that's our show. Big thanks to Dave, Todd, and Heidi for stopping by. The theme song is Bucharest by the Bailey New Division. You can check them out at newdivisionmusic.com. Don't forget, subscribe to us on iTunes, leave us a rating or review. We'd appreciate it, and we'll see you all in two weeks.